This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with Electronic Health Records expert, Margaret Matayat, President of Margaret A. Consulting. Thanks for joining us today, Margaret A. You're very welcome, Howard. Group practices across the country are preparing to implement EHRs in hopes of receiving federal financial incentives under the HITECH Act to help pay for some of the costs. As practices implement their first record systems, what are some of the most important initial steps that they should take to ensure the records are secure and patient privacy is protected? Well, Howard, I think, first of all, that any practice that has been exchanging electronic transactions, even if only through a clearinghouse uh, for their claims, is required to comply with the HIPAA privacy and security rules. And so adding the electronic health record and the incentive is really over and above what should have been going on all along. And frankly, what probably has to some extent anyway, because we could really go back to the Hippocratic Oath for uh, privacy compliance. I think that when you do introduce an electronic health record, you're really introducing a mission-critical system, and you are certainly making your electronic components much more visible to your patients, and everything is electronic, and so there certainly is a greater risk, and that's one of the reasons why there are HIPAA modifications um, from high-tech, the same and, and in compliance with the electronic health record uh, criteria for meaningful use. So I think the first thing that people ought to do is to evaluate the uh, security that they do have today, what the vendor is offering associated with electronic health record and to look at kind of best practices and say, is this enough for us? And um, and then, you know, add the, the necessary components. What tips do you have for smaller practices in particular who have limited resources and are attempting to do their initial risk assessment, as you described it, as required under the incentive program? Well, and again, the risk analysis was required under HIPAA, so... Hopefully, this will be an evaluation and a review and updating, and not the first time you've done this, but in any event, we know that some practices may not have done it as formally as they probably should, and it's always a good thing to try to document your risk analysis, even if it's just, you know, we've done this and we've looked at these things and this is what we've decided upon, um, just in the event that there could be any sort of breach and any sort of investigation audit, what have you. There are tools, however, that the healthiths.gov website have on their website and also NIST, uh, National Institute for Standards and Technology, on their website. And in particular, the um, healthith.hhs.gov has a document called Reassessing Your Security Practices in a Health IT Environment, a Guide for Small Healthcare Practices. And it's only 11 pages and very, very readable and gives you a really good set of of things to look at and um, important considerations. And one of the things that I really like about the document 
is that it addresses not just privacy and security from sort of a confidentiality perspective, but it reminds us of what I call the CIA of security, confidentiality, as well as data integrity and availability. Because, again, as we move towards a more mission-critical system that is the EHR, obviously we want to keep it secure, we want to ensure patient privacy, but we need to also make sure that the data doesn't get messed up in any way as part of any sort of transmission or even just retention on storage media. And then also that it is available to the providers and and anybody else who has authorized access when it's needed because you can't have a lot of downtime in a mission-critical environment. Uh, You have to have stronger disaster recovery, emergency mode access procedures, things like that. So you really need to pay attention not just to keeping everything safe, which is vitally important, but making sure you have um, contingency plans and data integrity controls as well. Electronic health record software certified for the new high-tech incentive program must include a long list of security capabilities, but there's no clear mandate that clinics must actually use any of those capabilities. Which security capabilities would you advise clinics to use in the early days of implementing an EHR? And, for example, how should they apply encryption Well, let me address encryption first because I think that um, with the breach notification at the federal requirement level and as well at, I think, 44 states at least have their own breach notification, it is very clear that HHS has issued guidance that unsecured protected health information that is lost stolen, et cetera, and that somebody may have access to and could end up uh, producing harm is a breach. And the only way really to protect that information is to encrypt it. And so laptops should be encrypted. Media should be encrypted. If you're going to give patients CDs, even though you're giving it to a patient, not another covered entity, uh, the best practice certainly is to encrypt that CD. If you're going to take a laptop home, it's best, of course, to not download data onto that laptop, but use it only to remotely access your information so it never resides on that laptop. But just in the event that you can't have that capability, you really need to encrypt your laptop. If you are transmitting data via tapes or disks to another location for backup, Um, Even if you're only taking them home, those should be encrypted. And I think that we're finding that encryption utilities are a lot easier to use these days. They come embedded in more of our newer operating systems that are very likely will be the platform for your electronic health record. So uh, I think it's just vital that you consider encryption definitely for any data that is going to move around anywhere and potentially at rest as well. Now, with respect to the first part of your question, Howard, the certification process refers to the HIPAA requirements. There are 18 standards. 
high-tech has reiterated that those standards are essential, and they are. And they're not just healthcare standards. They're standards you would expect to have your bank applied to your financial accounts. Credit cards certainly apply those same standards. Any kind of information that you want to make sure nobody else gets a hold of, um, those standards are vital and, and they cross industries. HIPAA sometimes I think people have used as a, as a four-letter word even though there are five letters in that acronym. But I think that you really need to look upon HIPAA more so from the protection standpoint and say, I need to protect this data. I need to ensure confidentiality, integrity, and availability. What are the things that I should do? What are the standards of practice across all industries that will make this work the best for me? Uh, in some cases, should that include uh, two-factor authentication at clinics, do you think? Yes, and I'm seeing more and more of that for two reasons. First of all, a lot of times hospitals are interested in allowing physicians access through a portal to their patients' records, which is great, and hospitals want to make sure that not just anybody and everybody in the office has access, but those people who the physician designates should have access, and obviously the physician, him or herself. And so a hard token, a biometric token or key fob type of thing that you carry with you is over and above the, just the user ID and password really makes it more secure. And I'm seeing a lot of hospitals give out hard tokens to their uh, provider community um, to enhance this, the protection of, of remote access. The other thing, of course, is that we are going to be required in our EHRs to do e-prescribing, and the Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA, has issued an interim final rule on enabling e-prescribing of controlled substances so long as two-factor authentication with a hard token is included in that process. And there was a final rule issued in March there still needs to be, as I understand, some guidance delivered as to how the process actually will work, and I don't believe that we are yet able to be up and running on that, but that will be coming very soon, and so I think that that will round out the capability of doing e-prescribing for all the prescriptions, so we won't have to be... Um, printing some to paper and, and some that we can transmit through the e-prescribing um, health information exchange infrastructure. So I think that we will find that we'll want to do that. We'll want that hard token, and why not use that hard token to ensure better security all around. As physician groups shop for an EHR system, what specific questions should they ask software vendors about privacy and security issues? And should those questions be different depending on whether the practice plans to host its own system or access it remotely via cloud computing? I think if you take a look at the access controls, does the system that you're buying have the capability of saying you have access to this and somebody else in the office has access to that? 
depending upon their job responsibilities. So this everybody has access to anything they want it really should not continue and the capability should exist in products to, to be better at that. That does imply and, requ- and required by HIPAA that you have the capability for emergency access, which we often call break the glass, which should be such that if anybody does need access in, in, a, in a situation where, you know, somebody's calling in the somebody else absolutely has to get at that record, it's very simple just to do one more click to say, I'm doing this because it's an emergency or whatever reason, and you're into that record, and then that can be looked at later as an audit trail uh, situation. So I think access controls, I think audit logging is vital. I prefer to see stronger access controls so we keep people out that don't have a, a need to know to begin with, but if you do find that you've got somebody accessing information that they maybe shouldn't have, the only way you can prove that is by using an audit log. And so a lot of the products that have been um, circulating in the past for small position offices tend not to have that capability, but it is a requirement of HIPAA. It will be a requirement as we move forward. And so Definitely, I would say to make sure you have audit logging capability that can be turned on and it's easy easy enough to use. Um, and obviously, there are data integrity controls that will be built into the software. You should ask about them. Encryption, obviously, and making sure that you have the authentication processes that you need. Certainly, user ID and password, and definitely then the uh, second layer of authentication, the hard token if you plan to use that for e-prescribing. And probably tools, utilities like obviously uh, antivirus or anti-malware, and then you can go above and beyond to look at different kinds of firewalls, intrusion detection, data loss prevention. There's obviously lots of utilities you could add, but I think the basics are covered by those five technical standards in HIPAA and then just, you know, the smart controls around um, firewalling and antivirus protection or anti-malware. If you're going to be looking at an ASP or cloud computing, I think the other thing that you really need to look at is redundancy in network capability because, again, remember, the CIA of security is not just you know, keeping the information so secure we can't get at it, but that it's secure but also available. And a lot of times the physician has only one means to get out and to get to their data, to to the cloud, to the application service provider, um, you know, and and if that goes down, then there's no availability. And so I always encourage physician offices, even if it's only an extra DSL line, as a backup. So look for something that is affordable backup for your network capability. You want redundancy there. And then obviously you need to look at the service level agreement in terms of all sorts of things, a strong business associate uh, contract uh, terms, in the in the provisions of the service level agreement, and then also of course all of the um, 
ownership and return of data and ability to get at source code and so forth if the company should go bankrupt. Finally, is there any other advice you would give to your practices regarding steps they can take to ensure the information in their newly installed EHR system is secure and remains private? You know, I think that something that comes to my mind is making sure that people know about privacy and security to really create a culture that values privacy and security. Nobody would ever ask a patient to disrobe in the waiting room, but yet we disrobe patient information all the time frequently in a waiting room and at different parts of the office. And so really likening the information privacy and security to personal privacy and safety, I think goes a long way to contributing to that culture of viewing um, privacy and security as good things. Well, thanks very much. We've been talking today to electronic health records expert Margaret A. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks so much for listening.